All right, so here we are. We are on uh, chapter 22 of our series, Faces in the Crowd, The Lives and Legacies of the People of God. And we are on week 10, part 10 of our discussion on Moses, the man of God. All right, now if you remember where we left off last week, we looked at the plagues number two through five. So God has uh, basically declared to Moses, look, you're going to go, you're going to tell Pharaoh, I want you to set my people free. And he's not going to do that. And I'm going to, to do powerful judgment so that uh, he and the rest of Egypt's going to know that I am the Lord your God because of these crazy things that I'm going to do. And we saw some crazy things that he did last week, uh, starting in, with the second plague where he poured out upon the people a plague of frogs, which was kind of crazy. And you know what's even crazier? The irony, the, the humor. John's back there laughing because he already knows what I'm going to show you. I go to brush my teeth this week, and this is what I discover in my sink. I'm not making this up, people. That tree frog right there was in my sink in my bathroom. It had must climbed in through the city sewer, low water line. And so it's like 5 a.m. I, I, I'm brushing my teeth, and I look down, and there's a frog. And I just kind of chuckled, remembering that we had just talked about the plague of frogs. And I'm like, Lord, I repent of whatever I did. I'm sorry. I, I, I take you seriously, Lord. And I kind of chuckled because I just thought it was the irony of it all. That's, that's pretty funny. I haven't ever had that happen before. What's up? No, I captured him uh, foolishly because if I was a wise man, I would have left it for my wife and it would have been way funnier. But instead... <laughs> I actually caught him and, and released him to the wild because he probably had a pretty harrowing journey and crawled through all kinds of stuff that we are better left unnamed in order to get his way to, to, my, to my sink. Now, the frogs were a pretty big deal, and the, the sorcerers were able to, the magicians were able to produce some frogs. However, they weren't able to produce frogs like God was able to produce frogs. And all of a sudden, uh, Pharaoh ends up begging, please take the frogs away. Please take them away. And, and that, was, that was plague number two. And, and he makes the promises. He fails to do his promises. What we see is Pharaoh starts lining himself up like he's a god. Oh, you, you got guys that do stuff? I got guys that do stuff. You know, look at me. Uh, but he's different than God because everything God says he's going to do, he actually does. It actually happens. Pharaoh, though, he's back and forth, and he's hemming and hawing, and he makes promises, and he doesn't fulfill them, but God just keeps doing exactly what he says he's going to do. And so Pharaoh hardens his heart, and uh, then didn't, didn't respond to plague two, so he spends plague number three, which, if you remember, was the gnats. And we talked about gnats, if you've ever ridden your bike and gotten the bugs stuck in your teeth or or all that fun stuff. You're laughing, Robbie, because you, you've experienced that. You understand. Well, take that times about a billion. I mean, that picture doesn't do it justice. Uh, there were a lot of gnats. And again, they freak out. And, and at this point, the magicians, you know, the, the whole time that Pharaoh's been, or uh, uh, Moses has been doing this stuff, uh, the magicians have been trying to demonstrate that they could do it too. When they get to the gnats, all of a sudden the magicians are like, I'm out. This is the finger of God. I do not understand how they did that. I can't do that for whatever reason. Apparently magicians can't make gnats happen. And they, they weren't able to duplicate this thing. And they look at Moses and say, look, this is the finger of God here. 
there's something going on. But of course, Pharaoh again does not listen. So God, all right, you ain't going to listen to ants? I'm going to send you flies. And we talked about if you've ever been bit by a horsefly before, that's really pleasant. You could get bit by a housefly before it rains and stuff like that. That's not pleasant. Well, imagine the whole world was covered with flies. Really good times. Uh, really, really super, super awesome times. Not at all good times. But then what's really fascinating here is not only does he, he sends the flies this time, but then God creates a separation. He goes, look, the flies are going to be on you Egyptians. They are not going to be on the Israelites in the land of Goshen. We're, we're, I'm making a distinction between the people that belong to me and the people that have rejected and would not listen to me. And so these flies are poured out. And again, Pharaoh pleads. And again, Pharaoh makes promises. Again, the magicians can't do anything. They're not even involved in all this at this point. And God relents. Pharaoh hardens his heart again. And God says, all right, well, you're not going to listen to that one either, huh? You're not going to listen to frogs. You're not going to listen to gnats. You're not going to listen to the flies. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill all your livestock. Now, remember, this is a, an agricultural, agrarian society. They were based on farming and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, you start losing your livestock, that's a pretty big deal. He kills all their livestock, except for the livestock of the Israelites. It's a fascinating thing. And we even looked at the, how the, the Ipawar, uh, if you'll remember, uh, papyrus, how there was even extra biblical reports of that event taking place outside of Scripture. Uh, basically, the daily news for the Egyptians saying, whoa, all of our animals are dead. And once again, God draws a line in the sand, and he says, look, my people on this side, they're good. Nothing's going to happen to them. But you, you guys that have rejected me, you guys that are resisting me, you guys that are out worshiping, you guys, you guys are going to bear the price. And that's, that's exactly what happened. And, and it was just, we kind of left with these points. The, the big point being that God draws a line in the sand. All right, he does. He makes a distinction between his children and those who have rejected him. So uh, we, we even went through the scripture and we looked at Jesus talking about in the last day he's going to separate the sheep and the goats. And he's got one plan for the sheep. It's a really great plan. And he's got one plan for the goats that would have rejected his plan. And it's not such a great plan for them. God will be glorified. You'll see God's justice and wrath poured out. But understand, he's, he's saying, look, you're, you're either with me or you're against me. End of story. And we left off, well, in spite of all these clear signals that God is at work here, that he is more powerful than anything the Egyptians could muster, Pharaoh still left the hard heart, treating himself like he's God. And we get this proud look of Pharaoh. And if Pharaoh isn't going to listen to five plagues, what, what do you think is coming next? Six, right? You guys, you guys are catching on. Your, your adding skills are great. So we'll pick it up in Exodus chapter 9, verses 8 through 12. It's a lot of scripture. We're going to move really fast. So stay with me. 
And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, I want you to take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh, and it shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and become boils, breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Merrill. For Pharaoh and Moses threw it in the air and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast and the magicians the, these all powerful they could not stand before Moses because of the boils for the boils came upon the magicians upon all the Egyptians but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So we get these painful boils. Another, this showdown between God and Pharaoh continues. And we get these painful boils. Have you ever, have you guys ever touched soot? Like what's left over after a campfire? I mean, if sand is fine, if you ever thrown sand, if you ever held soot in your hand, it's really fine, isn't it, John? It's, there's not much there. And if you think about throwing that in the air, it just kind of becomes a cloud. And this cloud flowed across the land. And if you were not an Israelite, you broke out in painful souls. And, and, and not only the people, but these magicians that, that Pharaoh would say, oh, you got a guy that does that? Well, I got some guys. These guys go from standing up and doing stuff, well, they, they've already kind of bowed out. They can't do, uh, duplicate what God is doing through Aaron. Well, now they go from standing up to they're on their knees. They can't even stand. They can't even stand. Their boils must have been double bad, right? Like they're really miserable as God is beginning to pour out his judgment on these people. And once again, now all last week, I don't know if you caught this, but all last week what the scripture kept saying is Pharaoh hardened his heart. But now, once again, we're back and God sees, I, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. This defiant little man, I am going to, I'll harden his heart. We're going to break this guy. And he sets him up again. And again, if you won't listen to six plagues, what do you think is going to happen next? Noah? The seventh plague. And if you've noticed, like, it's, it's getting worse. Although I don't know, frogs and bugs, I, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's escalating. And we pick it up in the seventh plague. Exodus chapter 9, verses 13 through 21. The Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh. And you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people, so that you may know there is none like me in all the earth. For by now, I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. In other words, God is saying, look, I could have killed you all. Like, I, I'm trying to give you a chance here, even though I know you're not going to take it. But for this purpose, now listen, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. That is, you know what we're doing right now, right? We're reading this story that really happened, and God's power is being revealed in a way that he interacted with Pharaoh. 
He says, you are still exalting yourself against my people and you will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I'm going to cause a very heavy hail to fall, such as never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, therefore, I want you to send and get your livestock and all that you have in the field in a safe shelter for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the house, whatever livestock they had left at this point. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord, he left his slaves and his livestock in the field. So God says, uh, boys, you haven't been listening. Here I am. Moses, you go warn them again and you let them know there's a storm coming. There's, there's some severe weather that is coming, and it's going to hail. It's going to hail like something you have never, ever seen before. And if your servants are outside, if your livestock's outside, they're going to die. That's, that's how much hail is coming. And he says, he makes this statement, Exodus 9, so that you may know there is none like me. In all the earth. God's saying, look, you're going to know I'm God here before we're said and done if you, you haven't figured it out. And then again, he said in Exodus 9, 16, for this purpose, I've raised you up. In other words, Pharaoh, you think you got to where you got because you're so great. You got to where you got because it's my purpose to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. In other words, what I'm about to do to you the whole world's going to be talking about for a real long time, Pharaoh. And I put you in this spot. You're about to see. You're about to find out. I told you. And it reminded me. Again, we go back to, you know, why does evil exist? And we talked about that just a couple weeks ago. Why are there Vladimir Putins? Why didn't God just wipe them all out? There's a purpose. Romans 9, 22 through 23. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience? Vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. That is, Pharaoh, you will glorify me. Like I told you guys, everything, every living thing, everything ever created exists to bring glory to God. Even Pharaoh's, even Vladimir Putin's exist to bring glory to God. One will be glory to God on the day of judgment, when God's justice and wrath are shown in a dramatic display and everybody's going to know God is just. The other objects of salvation, we are going to glorify God and His mercy and His grace on that day. Everybody's going to glorify God, but what we get is this picture, this remind. look, you're, I, I've raised you up, Pharaoh, and the world's going to know that there is nobody like me. I am the Lord your God. And when we look at the world around us and we see things and we see people doing evil things, you're like, man, come on. Just understand there's a day of wrath stored up for them. They too will confess. It's as scripture says, every single knee will bend. Every, every head bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even the, the biggest, craziest madman today is going to say Jesus Christ is Lord. And he's going to do that as he's sentenced on his way to hell created for a purpose. And then the reminder, 
Exodus 7. We go back a couple chapters, and God says this to Moses as he's getting ready to send him off. This is before the plagues, and I'm just reminding you because, boy, it's about to get thick here. Things are about to get tough. Pharaoh's already had, they've had some tough stuff, some inconveniences. It's about to get real tough in Egypt. Exodus chapter 7, verse 4 through 5. God says this to Moses, I'm going to lay my hands on Egypt. I'm going to bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. I'm going to bring judgment on this land, on this people. And the Egyptians, the same Pharaoh that at the very beginning, if you'll remember, Moses comes to him, and what is Pharaoh's response? Who is the Lord that I should listen to him? Who is this God you talk of? And, and God says, look, the Egyptians shall know I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring these great judgments and I bring out the people of Israel from among them. God says they're going to know. They're not going to say, who is this? No, no, it's, it's, he's God. They're going to know. Exodus 9, 20 through 21, we go back. They've given the warning. Look, the storm's coming, boys. You better bring in the livestock and the slave. This is, this is going to get rough. Exodus 9, 20 through 21. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh, which means there were some people that feared the Lord that were starting to catch on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're dealing with something crazy here. Uh, they hurried their slaves and livestock into the houses. And whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. And so you get a few people that are, hey, man, this isn't going so well. I think maybe I might consider taking this seriously. And, of course, you get a few morons that don't, that still haven't figured it out. Pharaoh's one of them, and we, we pick it up, 9, 22 through 26. The Lord says to Moses, you stretch out your hand toward the heaven, so there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire ran down to the earth. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything, that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field and only in the land of Goshen, that is the land of the Hebrews. If you guys remember, Joseph moved the, his family into the land of Goshen where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. And God sent some hail. Now there's a little picture of hail. That's a pretty good size hail. How many people have been in a hailstorm here and seen some big hail? I remember one time, Carter probably doesn't remember. Right? He's shaking his head. He does remember. All right. We were at a lake when he was small. Carter was small. And there was softball size hail. It literally busted through the roofs of houses. I was so scared I could not drive. All right, there was no leaving this storm. I watched it blow across the lake this way and come back, and we took the boys and threw them in the back of the car with blankets on top because I was scared the windshield and the car that it was just going to bust, and we just hid and huddled. 
It sounded like cannonballs hitting the water. It was the most impressive. Like, I remember that day, and this is really before I was a Christian, thinking, whoa, <laughs> God, this is a great big God here, man. Whoa, this is, this is intense. Never seen anything like it since. And that was softball-sized hail. You could see, even though this was bigger, understand what happened this day was worse than that. But boy, let me tell you, at softball size, you could really easily understand that's going to kill a guy. If I could have got hit in the head by that, if an animal would have been hit in the head, it really did bust through roofs of these houses. It was it, it, one of the most, it, I like storms, it is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. It, it just, un, I mean, it really did. It sounded, I was in the military. I've, I've heard some booms. It sounded like a war zone. I've never seen anything like it before. This is more. It's more. It was a crazy scene. And once again, God makes a distinction. He says, you, Egypt, you, you don't want to listen? This is going to happen to you. And he even gave, I want you to see the mercy of God. He's going to pour this out on the land of Egypt. But he didn't just, he could have just did it. You get what I'm saying? All these other plagues, he just did it. On this one, he says, look, I am warning you. I am I'm giving you a chance. This is going to happen. You need to prepare for this. And for the people that would listen to God and listen to the, their, their livestock made it. Their servants made it. But for everybody whose heart was hard like Pharaoh's, well, that's a pretty rough day. Matter of fact, this day was so rough that, again, we go back 1400 B.C. to the Ippawar Papyrus. And here it is. Listen to what they say. Forsooth, gates, columns, and walls are consumed by fire. Now, I've never seen fire mixed in with ale, but apparently something happened. This is different, man. This God is pouring out wrath here big time. Lower Egypt weeps. The entire palace is without its revenue to it belong by right wheat and barley geese and fish he's saying that's what belongs there it's all gone everything's gone forsooth I, I this word forsooth just keeps coming up i wish i could have done a word study on whatever that egyptian word is because boy it you could just hear like doom doom like this is a bad word man forsooth grain has perished on every side everything is destroyed Forsooth, that is perished, which was yesterday seen. The land is left over to its weariness like the cutting of flax. Everything is destroyed by this hail. This is a dramatic, dramatic event. I mean, if the frogs were, weren't scary enough, right? Exodus 9, 27 through 35 Pharaoh sent, he called to Moses and Aaron, and he said to them, This time I have sinned, the Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Pharaoh talking, flapping his lips, making some big promises again. A little bit more humble, though. He's making even bigger promises than he has. And Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, know that I know that you do not yet fear 
the Lord God. And there's this little, I like this little parenthetical. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in ear and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and emmer were actually not struck down, for they were late in coming up. In other words, it was kind of like in between. You ever seen how they plant corn and they plant soybeans at different times? We're kind of in an in-between time here. The corn's up, but the beans aren't yet. So the corn was destroyed, but the beans weren't. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. So God left them some food to survive on because everything that was up was destroyed. Another little glimpse in the midst of this judgment of God's mercy. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh. He stretched out his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased. And the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. So once again, we're reminded Yep, he didn't let him go. God told Moses ahead of time. Moses is saying, look, he told me this is what was going to happen. I've been telling you the whole time. This is what he said. This is what happened. Again, Pharaoh says, oh, I'll let you go. But then he doesn't follow through with his word. God says, this is going to happen, and that's exactly what happens. Over and over and over again. And old Pharaoh would set himself up to be like a god. He's nothing like God. You, you get that. Nothing like God. And of course, here we go, Pharaoh begging, and Pharaoh's heart hardened. This time he did it. And if you don't listen to seven plagues, what's going to happen? Eight plagues. Boy, we're getting close here. Exodus chapter 10, verse 1 through 6. The Lord said to Moses, you go into Pharaoh, for I've hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. And we'll pause right there. He's saying, look, I hardened his heart so that you could tell this story. Not that you are so great, Moses, but you can tell your sons and your grandsons and your descendants what I did. And you could point them to me. And so when John and I stand up here, or Alan stand, what we're telling, we're telling you what God did, okay? Still, we're, we're, we're carrying the tradition of Moses, and we're, as we're even reading these scriptures to you, we are proclaiming what God did. Even now, what God told Moses is coming true. Week after week, preachers all over the world doing the exact same thing, proclaiming what God did here. So that we may know that there is a Lord. Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow... I will bring locusts into your country, and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land. And they will eat what is left to you after the hail. And they shall eat 
every tree of yours that grows in the field. They shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on earth to this day. And then <laughs> Moses drops the mic. He turns and he went out from Pharaoh. And he says, look, you got a couple sprouts left. You got a couple trees left that, that, that weren't destroyed. I am telling you to let us go or he sent in locusts that are going to eat the rest of it. Now, I don't know if you guys know, a locust, I mean, it's just a big grasshopper. It don't look like much all by itself, but when it gets together with its buddies, a locust swarm, like we still can see locust swarms in the world here, and where the locust swarm goes, when it leaves, everything's dead. It eats every green thing. This is a crazy thing that we can see now, and God's saying, well, this little flock that we see here isn't nothing. You're not even going to be able to see the ground. There's going to be so many bugs. You ever like walked out and stepped on a bug because there's a bunch of bugs out and you're like, ew. It's really not that many bugs when you think about if you look at the ground and literally everywhere you looked, you couldn't even see the ground because there were so many. If you like critters, I don't know. I don't think anybody likes critters that much. This is kind of a scary thing. And God is saying, look, warning, warning. I'm telling you again what's going to happen. You've got an option here. Let's see how they respond. Exodus chapter 10, verses 7 through 11. Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? You let the men go. I want you to catch this. Pharaoh's advisors are like, Seriously, dude, this is enough. Let them go. Let's, let's just get them out of here. All right? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? At this point, their assessment of their community is, it's ruined. All right? These are all his political advisors. You go to the White House, it's not just the, the president. He's got a cabinet of officials, trusted advisors, all this stuff. That's the way it's put. Well, Pharaoh's got his cabinet and his trusted advisors saying, look, the land is ruined. Get, let these guys go. We need to be done with this guy. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go and serve the Lord your God. But which ones are to go? And Moses said, We are going to go with our young and our old. We'll go with our sons and our daughters and with our flocks and our herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. And Pharaoh responds to him, The Lord, listen to this defiance, The Lord be with you if I ever let you and your little ones go. Look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, you go, the men among you, and serve the Lord, for that is what you are asking. So he tries to spin it. He said, you can't take your kids with you. You can't take, just you guys, you fellows go. You're not going to take all this stuff. Like he's the shot caller, like Pharaoh's all of a sudden the one in control. And he drives them out from his presence. And so, you know, once again, uh, a spark of clarity. The advisors are kind of figuring stuff out. The cabinet members are saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. And of course, Pharaoh's proud heart, he will not bow down. He will not concede again. So Exodus 10, 12 through 20. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locust, so they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land. 
all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locust. The locust came up over all the land of Egypt, settled in the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts has had never been before, nor ever will be again. I want you to understand it. So he, when he brought the hail, he said, hail that had never been on the land of Egypt before. There's, in other words, there's going to be some big hail one day. Revelation talks about some big hail, right, John? He's not done with But locust, as far as locust, he says uh, there'll never be a day of locust like the, 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 the locust here. This is a big, big event. They covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened, and they ate all the plants in the land, all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field through all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said again, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Please forgive my sin. Please only this once. Plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. At this point, Pharaoh's scared he's going to die. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts, drove them out into the Red Sea. And not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But, dot, dot, dot. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. So the Lord sends the swarms. And once again, proud Pharaoh turns and begs. Begs, Lord, please, I have sinned. I like that. I have sinned against the Lord, your, your God. Some will call him the Lord my God, but he's, he's going to acknowledge he sinned. But again, he backs out. He's unwilling to let... The people go. And so, if eight plagues and the entire land was ruined before the locust, now there's nothing. You ever see pictures of Egypt? You know, all the sand and it's all barren and desolate? It don't exactly, at least our picture of Egypt that you get in your mind and I get in my mind, we probably aren't thinking too much of farmland, are we? Land is ruined, but he didn't listen to eight. So what's going to happen, Teddy? Nine, right? Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 through 29. The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. I know Teddy's thinking about them three days. They did not see one another. Listen to this. Listen to how dark it was. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light 
where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. In other words, I'm done with you people, but all my livestock's dead. You got to leave your critters. Moses says, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take of them to serve the Lord our God, and we do not know what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Listen carefully. Get away from me. Take care to never see my face again, for on the day you see my face, you shall die. What a statement. And Moses said, as you say, I won't see you again. So the same God who at the very beginning of creation said, let there be light, says, let there not be light. Let there be darkness, a darkness that could be felt. Has anyone here, how many of you guys have been to a cave before? Like one of the cave tours where they actually turn the light out and for just a couple minutes, right, you know what Greg Cruzy sees. There's no light. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. It's dark, dark. I mean dark. It's so dark that for three days, because they know if you've done that, it's, it's great when they turn the light back on. But if you were stuck in that, you're not exactly walking around like that, are you? Some of those places would be scary to try to walk around like that. Real quick, you get hurt because there's no light. Nothing. And for three days, why am I smiling? What's so great about three days, Teddy? Maybe it's something, about something about the resurrection. You know, Jesus, Jesus was down for three days, pointing us to something, you know. For three days, pitch black. Nothing. The Ippowar papyrus again, it has this to say, just real simple. The land is without light. What else are they going to say? Nobody moved for three days. And what I'd like to have been is like on the border. Like what did that look like? There's no light over here, but over here in the land of Goshen, it's all normal. It would have been interesting to be on the Israelite side. Do you think they like jumped across and looked and jumped back? You know, I, I don't know. But on one side, Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And you can kind of see, now God is saying, look, I'm in control of it all. I control the lights. I'm shutting off the power, Pharaoh. But again, got our little distinction, our separation, our line in the sand, my people are going to be fine, but you guys are going to be in darkness. So, as we've done time and time again, what, what does this week's 
version of Moses' story as we keep building here. We're going to stop at 9. I'm going to tell you next week we are going to talk about the 10th plague, a.k.a. the last one. This one's going to do it. We'll remember what God said and why he said these things were going to happen. This one's going to do it. This is going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. But right now we're stopping. What, what does Moses' story tell me about God? Well, one, God is in control. <laughs> Again, we, we, we can see that. There's no denying God is in control. He has absolute authority over his creation. He has authority to make promises, the power to fulfill them. He does that perfectly. Again, Pharaoh says stuff, but then he doesn't do it. He's a filthy liar. God says stuff, he does it. He does it absolute, he does it exactly how he said, this is what's going to happen, and that's exactly what happens. Pharaoh says, I'm going to do this, or do, he can't, he doesn't have the authority, he's not the same. While there may be other forces that exist, God's power is over them all. We, we, you know, these magicians were able to duplicate some of this stuff for a minute before they said, well, we're out. They stood up and said, I can't do it, and then they couldn't even stand up. They were just, they were done. And God draws a line in the sand. He makes a distinction between his children and those who have rejected him. Last week, we looked at some scriptures at the end times and what that looks like. And boy, oh boy, that's a scary thing. But it also means, look, on the last day, God will call his children home to him. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And again, if God says it, he does it. He's not like the rest of the world. Politicians say stuff, they don't do it. All right? Even the best-meaning parents can say stuff, and we don't do it. I've been wrestling with this thing because I can think of a billion times that I looked at my kids, and I'm like, look, if you guys do that one more time, I am going to spank your butt. And then I didn't. I kept giving them grace. And I almost wonder, in hindsight, if I didn't mess up. If I'm not setting the wrong standard because I really should have just done what I said. And even though, like that's a weird thing to think through. Some of the parents in here are smiling because they know what I'm talking about. It's a different thing and you're like, wait a minute. Maybe I did the wrong thing here. Tricky thing being parents, incidentally, for what it's worth. Give them a little grace. It's, it's a lot trickier than you think. When you get there, you'll understand. But God says it, he'll do it. And on the, he says on the last day, he's going to call his children home. But for those that have rejected him, who refused to cross that line to answer his call to salvation, he's going to bring eternal condemnation to every single one of those people. Not one will slip through the cracks. There's no, oh God, I meant none of that. No excuses. No surprises. That's it. So what's the point? Why does that matter? Why does all this matter? Why are we talking about this? Well, one, God is faithful to carry out the plans he has for our lives now and the ones yet to come. Well, that's great news. Again, if Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place for you, it's a good place, and I'm going to come back, well, that's great to know. He's got that. If he says, hey, Alexis, I want you to be a missionary, and I want you to go around the world, and I'm going to make a way, I don't have to sweat all the details. All right, if I'm Bella and Bailey and the Lord has called me to Poland and I hang up my little, if you guys see those envelopes back there, I want to talk about the envelopes real fast. I meant to do it before. Bailey, Bacon, and Bella Sheldon are beginning their process of answering God's call to mission work. And they're going to be going with CIY Engage to Poland next summer. And so back there on that wall, there's envelopes hanging on the wall. 
and they're numbered 1 through 100. And I would invite you guys, especially you guys that are working, you can do this. You go back and you pick up one of those envelopes, and if the number says 1, all that means is I will donate at least $1, all right, to help them go to Poland. Like, you can afford a dollar. Everybody in this room can come up with a dollar, all right? Now, some, if it says 49, you send $49. If it says 95, you send 95, wherever you are. And the truth is, we're all in different places. Some of us can afford $95. Some of us can afford a dollar. But wherever you are, you get to partner and help them in their trip, fund their trip to go to Poland. It's a really neat opportunity. So I just, just for the record, I would, I would challenge you. But what I'm trying to communicate here is, okay, God has, he's faithful to carry out the plan. So if that's his plan, guess what? Eventually, all those envelopes are gone. All right? Yes, Bailey and, and, and Bella are going to have to work a little bit. They're going to have to participate in this process to get themselves to Poland. But understand, God's going to open the doors because if that's his plan, he's going to make it happen. Just like he did for Moses, just like he does for us every single day, he provides for us. He does the same. God's faithful to carry out the plans he has, not just now, today, not just before today, but whatever's ahead. Ultimately, far ahead to the day he calls us home, to a place that he's prepared for us, where we can't wait. We get to be with Jesus face to face and together with each other for eternity, with no sin and no pain, and no hurt, nothing but just the glory of God. It's going to be great. Can't wait. God knows everything that's going to happen. He knows every choice we'll ever make. He knows every single circumstance we'll ever face. He's ahead of us, behind us, with us in the moment, ordering our steps to accomplish His will in our lives, just like He was with Moses. He, he was with Moses back when He was in the basket, before Moses really had a lot to say about it, right? God was ordering Moses' life and getting him to where he's looking at a burning bush. God was right there waiting for Moses. You know what I'm saying? God didn't have to, like, search for Moses. God was in the bush waiting, and he knew exactly what day to be there. He burned the burning bush, and Moses, he was right there just waiting. He was ahead, just right there, waiting for this moment. Boom, there you are, Moses, let's talk. All right, I'm going to send you to talk to Pharaoh. He's right there with him, right in the midst of it. He's got some more stuff coming, and he's, he's already ordered his steps. I, just, I want you to see that how God interacted with Moses is how God interacts with you and I. Every single one of us. It's not that Moses, I mean, yes, Moses was special, but God is no respecter of people, man. He's working in all of our lives to whatever degree. We just stop and see. God exists outside the limitations of the natural world. He created the natural world, so he has to be outside of it, so he can do things beyond those limits. That's the supernatural, miraculous things. Well, he created the order. He's outside of it. He's amazing. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, this is it. We're back to that separation. The Lord Jesus Christ will separate the children of light from the children of darkness. And we talked about this last week. Not everybody's a child of God. Jesus goes to the Pharisees who thought they were somebody, and he said, look, you're, you don't have the same father I got. You got a father that's a devil. You're not children of God. If you were children of God, then you'd listen to the children of God. You'd listen to what I'm saying. But because you reject what I'm saying, you're, you're identifying yourself. You're not a child of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 9 says this. You are all children of the light and children of the day. That is, Christians. You are. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. There's children of light, children of the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, 
Let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But we belong to the day. Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Now understand, he did appoint Pharaoh to suffer wrath, right? He just declared it. There's a time for Vladimir Putin. He's going to stand unless he gives his heart this miraculous salvation moment for him. He's appointed for the day of wrath. All right? But not for us. We were appointed to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's you as children of the light. So I guess my last question, it's real simple. Are you a child of the light? We're back to that number one question. The number one question. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? For children of the light, he's your Lord and Savior. He's God in the flesh with us, sent to redeem us from the weight of our sin. For children of the devil, he's something else. A myriad of things. Ah, he's just a good teacher. Ah, he didn't even exist. Ah, he's some kind of angel. Million different voices saying who Jesus was. Children of the light say Jesus is who Jesus says he is. Are you a child of the light? Because God has drawn a line in the sand and that line matters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. You know, you've You've revealed yourself in so many different ways from the, uh, I don't know, the way you, you stood, you sent Jesus and he stood on the server of the mountain, he points at birds and your you, father, he cares for you even more than those little birds that he takes care of every day. You've, you've, you've shown yourself in your, in Jesus, you've shown yourself in your word. You are showing, revealing your character and who you are and how you are interacting in this situation with Moses and Pharaoh and your people. You're speaking to us, Father, and I just pray that we would hear your voice and that if there is even one person in this room tonight who has not seriously responded to your call to salvation, that they would respond while today is today. Because ultimately, none of us are promised another second. We have no idea how long we've got as individuals. We got no idea as this globe seemingly spinning more and more out of control, how long we got as a world. There's a day that's coming. There is a day of judgment that is coming. And either we have, will have trusted you to have paid that price for us, to have wiped our slate clean, or we ourselves will bear the weight of our, our mistakes, our rejection of you. And Father, I just pray for everybody in this room, for everybody that we can affect in this room, I love these young people, Lord. You have, you have given them spheres of influence to be lights in the community where they're at. Father, that you would use them to draw more people to you before it's too late. We love you, Lord God. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.